At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again here on the HHC. Still in our off-season mode, but we're running out of off-season as we're less than two weeks away now from the start of training camp, just a little bit more away from the first preseason game, which will be October 4th on the road at Oklahoma City. Today, we've got a lot of topics to talk about. First off, a couple of player top 100 lists have been published or at least started to be in the last couple of days. Which Hornets are on it? Are they in roughly the right range? We'll talk about that. Also a recent roster move for the Hornets and with training camp right around the corner, what are we most looking forward to? And when I say we, I of course mean myself, Sam Farber, radio broadcaster for the Hornets, as well as my producer on the Hornets radio network, Rob Longo, and from Hornets.com, Sam Purley, here with us once again on the HHC. Gentlemen, good to see you. No we're winding down till the start of the regular season when we'll be doing this every day and we do have a start date for it daily podcast to resume it'll be october 18th we will resume daily podcast but for today let's start off talking about these top 100 lists always just kind of fodder for sports talk and podcasts and whatnot and no one's ever going to get it exactly right for everybody well let's go to players sam pearly will start with you and let's start with this question players that have been mentioned on one or both lists from the hornets you have Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and LaMelo Ball. Is there a Hornet who is not listed there that you think should be included in the NBA's top 100? No, I think I'm, I'd be pretty comfortable with those four. I think there's an overlap between Terry's on both, Gordon's on both, LaMelo presumably is on both. The other half of the ESPN, ESPN list is not has not been listed yet. As of the taping of this, of course, whenever you might be listening to this, it could be out and we'll see how uh, right or wrong we are. Yes. I mean, I think Miles kind of breaking the list is breakthrough. I mean, it's pretty good. So I think that you comfortably have three to four on both lists. I think that's pretty good to say you have three or four top 100 players in the league. It's a pretty... You know, nice. I mean, I remember years past, you know, the Hornets would be lucky to have one guy on this list. So to have four, at least in the conversation, I think is 
uh, pretty encouraging. Well, let's look at each of these players, and we're, we're going to look at it through this lens, guys. I'm not going to list all 100 players, so you can all find the list, uh, either Sports Illustrated or ESPN or any other number of publications that puts them out there. But for the sake of this conversation, we're going to use these two lists. We're going to go player by player from the Hornets. I want to know, are they in the right range? Are they too high? Are they too low? And if you think they are too high or too low, give me an example of a player that is out of place in comparison with the Hornet. Make sense? We'll start with Miles Bridges. I'll start with Sam this time. Sam Purley, is Miles Bridges slotted correctly, too high, too low? And this is on both lists? Well, I guess Sports Illustrated, he is not listed. So uh, he's not slotted correctly on the Sports <laughs> Illustrated list. He ES- should be on it. <laughs> ESPN, he's 87. So where where roughly do you feel Miles should be? I think that's that's fair. 87, I think kind of breaking through the list for the first time. I mean, those last six weeks when he filled in for Gordon, averaging about 20 points per game. Uh, he was really, really close to being a 50-40-90 guy last year. I think it was just a few made free throws away. So, you know, I think kind of him breaking through on this, I think it's a really good progression, especially for a guy that's in is going into his fourth season. So at 87 on the ESPN list, I think that's pretty fair. I think Miles is a little overrated, honestly, on the ESPN list, strictly because you're assuming something that we all assume, that if Miles Bridges played starters minutes consistently throughout you know, 35 minutes per game, that he would be able to put up the numbers that would justify the spot. And that is something I definitely believe. I think if he were playing 35 minutes and all the shots he wanted, there's no question he would have put up those kinds of numbers, similar for a lot of teams. But the fact of the matter is, he was the sixth man for the team, played the role extremely well, shot the ball brilliantly. He took huge jumps in his personal game and what he could contribute to the team. But when you're talking about about the top 100 players, you're, you're really saying this person on any average NBA team should be one of the top three players. And I think saying that he has proven that at this stage is a little bit of a boost. I think by season's end, he does end up in the top 100 list because I have a feeling he's going to get more minutes this year, even with a stronger roster. But coming into this year, comparing him to guys that this list has him ahead of who have already demonstrated what they can do on a more consistent basis, I think he might be a little overrated right now on this ESPN list just off what he's put on tape so far. Rob, your thoughts? I'm going to trap you here. Do you think Miles Bridges is better than Devontae Graham? That is a very good trap. I I think they're pretty even, to be honest. Because Devontae of- is ranked 86. I would say Miles. Well, overall. I think Devontae might be overrated here too, because okay, again, you're, ta- right. you're talking about a guy who came off the bench last year and also came off the bench for a team that missed the playoffs. Now we all know about the injury issues the Hornets had. So, you know, let let's leave that out of the conversation, but again, if you are in the top 100 players on the NBA, you are roughly speaking on an average team if you just drafted, you'd be one of the three best players. So to say someone who played on a team who missed the playoffs and didn't start is in the top 100, that just leaves some questions to me. That's fair. I respect that. I would say that Miles is at a good spot on the list. I don't like him being a spot behind Devontae just because they kind of had similar roles. For I mean, Devontae obviously started the season as a starting point guard, and then LaMelo Ball took over. But, you know, Miles Bridges, I think, had just such a good, strong ending to his season. That's why I would slightly give him the edge. So if I had to nitpick, I would put Miles at 86 and Devontae at 87. To me, it's almost like I it's would feel a lot better saying Miles Bridges had been slighted by being left off the list or like he has something more to prove by being left off the list. I feel like ESPN's almost assuming a little too early 
what we all kind of also assume with Miles, that once he gets the minutes, he's going to take that next jump. Let's go to the next player, Terry Rozier. On the ESPN list, he's 81. On the Sports Illustrated list, he's 78. Rob Longo, about right, underrated, overrated. I think it's about right, but here is my problem with the ESPN list so far. They have Cade Cunningham listed at 76, and the guy has not played in a real regular season NBA game yet. That is my problem. I I don't think you can put a guy, I understand he's number one pick, there's so much hype around him, but I don't think you can put a guy that high on a list who hasn't even played. I mean, he's not. it's not like a LeBron James situation where everybody knows that this guy is going to be a future superstar. I'm not saying Cade Cunningham's not going to be a great player, but right now, I just don't put him in that same category as a 18-year-old LeBron James coming out and trying to be a savior of a franchise. So just in terms of that list, I have a little bit of a problem. On Sports Illustrated, like you said, 78. I think around the top 75 range is a good spot for Terry Rozier. Sam Perley, Terry Rozier, 81 for ESPN, 78 for Sports Illustrated, underrated, overrated, about right. I will preface this with all the power rankings, rookie ladders, lists, lists like this. I've always been very adamant in that I think they don't matter. They're kind of ridiculous. I think people that get up in arms like you sometimes about them last year, I always make fun of you. This is the first one I think that has ever gotten to me. I think this is so ridiculous that how low Terry Ruggiero is on this. Extremely underrated. What range should Terry be? At least into the 60s. Okay, so you think there should be, at minimum, a 6 ahead of his number. So right now, we'll say he's about, on average, 80-ish here. Top 10 shooting guard in the league in terms of scoring. He was 4th in clutch time threes. Averaged 20 points per game on 45% shooting, 39% from 3. Played all but 3 games last year. Was an Eastern Conference Player of the Week. And he was 5th in the NBA in 3-pointers made last year at a pretty solid efficiency or great efficiency 39 percent. he had 222 threes i just think and, and to kind of echo what robs that some of the guys that are ahead of him who i think these guys are great players but to say cade cunningham is a better player than him right now is ridiculous tyrese halliburton is one ahead of him that i think is kind of a stretch colin sexton anthony edwards and it just it kind of factors into like how are you determining these lists is it what guys have done is it where they stand right now today or is it where you think they're going to be at the end of the year and I'm mad at myself for getting this upset about this crazy, stupid list. But I think it's ridiculous that Terry is, is 80 on this list. It's it's absurd. He should be well, well, well further down on it. I think this was a bad one. I, I think am, it's really bad. I am right there with you. I think he is vastly underrated on both lists. I'm with you. I think he's somewhere between maybe 55 and 65 is about the right range. That puts him roughly as a top two player on any team or on an average team, I guess, in the NBA, which is about right. I mean, he was a borderline all-star. I think if he is able to repeat statistically what he did last year, he's easily a top 40 guy. But if you're if you're doing your top 100 list and you're accounting for well, who was hurt, who had, you know, what going against him, I'd say that's about the range that he should at minimum be in. Just some names I'm going to throw out here that were listed ahead of Terry Rozier for Sports Illustrated that I think I can't get my head around how they could be put there. Anthony Edwards, Joe Ingles, Harrison Barnes, OG Ananobi, Mikel Bridges, none of whom were anywhere near statistically or in terms of winning impact did what Terry Rozier was able to do on the ESPN list. Rob, I agree with you. Cade Cunningham, there's no rookie who should be ahead of a guy who's a borderline all-star unless you're convinced that person is outright the rookie of the year and is going to lead Detroit on some kind of 
epic turnaround. Tyrese Halliburton was put ahead of him. That seems crazy to me. Spencer did witty. I know we only played three games last year due to an injury, but I don't see how you can justify that one. There's a lot of them. I think Terry Rozier is maybe the most misplaced person on this list. Two more quickly to go to, and we're going to do it on the other side of this break because we've gone over on this topic. So we will come back with the other two players, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward. Where are they on these top 100 lists and where should they be? We'll talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center. Now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of J's. It's an easy trip on the light rail. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanshop.com. Sam Farber, Sam Purley, and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. We're talking top 100 lists. Just easy pickings for podcast conversations. Let's go to the next guy. That would be Gordon Hayward on the ESPN list. He's put at number 58. And on the Sports Illustrated list, he comes in at 45. And I would assume is the highest ranked Hornet. Sam Purley, is Gordon Hayward about right, underrated, or overrated? Contrary to my take on the Terry one, I think this one is just right. I think you average it out, he's about 52-ish, 53. I think he gets dinged a little bit because of the injuries a little bit. But, you know, to say top 50 player in the NBA is nothing, especially at Gordon's age now. I think he's 31 or so. So was a huge contributor for the team last year. Did a little bit of everything, points, rebounds, passing the ball. Uh, offense really, really revolved around him. A lot of guys played really well off of him. And then you see what happens when he went down. It just it was kind of like pulling the bottom popsicle stick off. It's just everything kind of collapsed just a little bit on the offensive end. So I think I'm I'm pretty good with Gordon here and kind of that averaging out to be 51 52 range he's on the high end of Sports Illustrated 45 I think is I've got no problems with this one Rob Longo Gordon Hayward about right underrated overrated yeah I'm fine with it too pretty much just because of what Sam said but the way I look at these lists too is it seems like the Sports Illustrated list seems to value the veteran it looks like the ESPN list is all about kind of like the youth movement like for example like Cade Cunningham hasn't even played a regular season game and he's ranked 76 Gordon Hayward's a little bit lower on the list than he would be on Sports Illustrated at 58 Sports Illustrated has Hayward at 45 so I think that the Sports Illustrated list is kind of more favorable towards veteran players than it is to the ESPN one, but that's just a quick little observation by me, but I'm okay with both positions on both sides. I mean, to, for your point on the ESPN list, I don't have a problem with putting Cade Cunningham around 76 as the number one overall pick. If you're assuming he's going to be the best player on that franchise, one that has Jeremy Grant, I'd say that's that's fair. If you think that Jalen Green is really going to be the best or one of the best players on Houston, you think he's a top 100 player, I don't have a problem with it. I have a problem with them being ahead of Terry Rozier who averaged 20 points per game in the NBA last year. I don't think Jalen Green averaged that in the G League last year. So I think it's just crazy to have any of them. And and for the record, Green was not ahead of Rozier, but Cunningham was, and I thought that was wrong. In terms of Hayward, I think he's about right on the Sports Illustrated list at 45. I think he's underrated at 58. I think it is quite stark, the contrast. We've talked about it on so many of these podcasts what the team's record was when Gordon Hayward played, what it was when he didn't. He was a very consistent 20-point-per-game guy throughout his time on the floor for the Hornets. This is one where the impact on winning needs to kind of come through, and he should get more credit for this. Just some names on the ESPN list that I think are misplaced ahead of him, and we don't know them all yet because they've only released 51 through 100, but Anthony Edwards, I think, has no place ahead of Gordon Hayward right now. Yes, statistically, he's close, and athletically, he's off the charts, but in terms of impact, 
impact on winning it. They're not in the same stratosphere right now. I would throw Jeremy Grant in there as well. I think he kind of popped last year for Detroit and deserves all the credit in the world, but consistently, has he performed better than Gordon Hayward? I would say no. And Clint Capella, I think similarly, he's a really good piece on a really good Atlanta team, but is he one of the top 55 players in the NBA ahead of a Gordon Hayward? I would say no. So I think ESPN, a little bit underrated. Sports Illustrated about right. Last one, LaMelo Ball. He is, to this point, not on the ESPN list, which means, I hope, he's in the top 50. If he's not on the list altogether, we're burning that list. Yeah, the Sports Illustrated one, they put him at number 51. Rob, we'll go to you first. Is LaMelo Ball underrated, overrated, about right. Underrated. That's an easy one. I mean, again, like I said, that's why I said I think the Sports Illustrated list favors the veterans a little bit more, but you're going to tell a guy that is the reigning rookie of the year that he's not a top 50 player in the association? I mean, I just don't. I don't get that one at all. How underrated and who are some names you're going to move him ahead? I don't think Fred Van Fleet had a very good season last year. I would put him ahead of that. Fred Van Fleet's 46, by the way, on the Sports Illustrated list. Yeah, now that I'm looking at his list, now it's a little bit tighter. Van Vliet's a 20-point per game guy, just a about. No, and I'm not saying he didn't have the pieces around him, I guess, like he did in the championship season with Kawhi and those kind of guys. But yeah, once you start getting into the 40s, now that I'm looking at it, this is, it gets a little bit tougher for sure. So I would put him in the 30s probably. I'd maybe sandwich him between Vukovic from Chicago and Kyle Lowry. I'd maybe put him in that 39 spot. Sam Perley is LaMelo Ball at 51 on the Sports Illustrated list and somewhere we assume in the top 50 on the ESPN list. About right? Underrated, overrated. I think he's a little low on the Sports Illustrated one. I think... How how little? 10 spots, maybe. I think if you're going to move him up on the Sports Illustrated spot, I mean, like Rob said, I mean, this is when you start kind of getting further down this or further up at however when you look at it. I mean, there's some really good players on here. I mean, you know, just a couple ones, I mean... Kind of chalk up what the Toronto guys did last year was so off because of the weird season being out of market the whole time. But got Julius Randle at 41, DeRozan at 42, Conley at 43. I mean, I could kind of see him sneaking in there around Conley. Siakam had kind of an off year again with the Toronto. There's a lot of Toronto guys in this, or former Toronto guys in this 40. Brogdon, you know, at 51, I think it would kind of maybe squeeze him into the mid 40s, but you can make an argument for around 40. And then um, obviously, isn't in onto the ESPN one. So I think, you know, something close to 40, I think would be kind of appropriate at least. But again, it's interesting seeing, like Rob said, what each list is valuing. You can clearly see some differences. I mean, having 30 spot difference on some of these lists is kind of crazy. I think one in particular. There's like a 20-spot difference between Anthony Edwards on both these lists, so it's interesting to see what's valued. But yeah, I would say LaMelo, a little underrated, but not by much. Generally speaking, if we're averaging the two lists together, which is roughly what we've been doing, I think he's about right, because I think LaMelo is going to end up somewhere with a four in front of his name for the ESPN list. Maybe it's with a three, but I think that puts him in you know, about the 40 to 45 range. So I think generally speaking, that's pretty good. I do think he is a little low on the Sports Illustrated list, just off the top of my head. I think he's should be ahead of Clint Capella. Fred Van Vliet, I get the argument. One that really stands out to me, Draymond Green. He's 35 on the Sports Illustrated list, and I get what he has accomplished in the NBA and for Team USA and what he brings to the table. But this is a guy who's averaged less than 10 points per game in the NBA in each of the last three seasons. To me, 
that can't be a person who is ahead of the reigning rookie of the year and one of the rising stars. I'm not saying he can't be in the top 100 or can't be in the top 50, but he can't be ahead of LaMelo Ball for me. So I, I think there's a couple of examples like that where it's totally out of left field. But as both of you you know, kind of thought out on this podcast, is you try and nitpick, all right, who do we start putting ahead of? Like, well, do we put LaMelo Ball ahead of Julius Randle? Well, that's that's an all-star. I don't know if we can quite do that yet. Or, you know, DeMar DeRozan. Or like, yes, you can make the argument for a lot of guys, but the water is a little muddier at this stage. So I think he is about right, assuming that he's going to be somewhere around 40 to 45 on that ESPN list, and the average will put him there. All right, a fun exercise. Would love to hear all of your thoughts. Go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Sam Farber Live. Hit the Hornets account wherever you'd like. Let us know where do you think the Hornets should be. I know you think LaMelo should be number one. Fair enough. Hopefully he'll approve that this year. Build on that Rookie of the Year campaign. Coming up next, some Hornets news and a look ahead towards training camp. That's next on the HHC. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, and Sam Perley here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. We are winding down towards the start of training camp, the start of preseason, the start of the regular season, and the return of daily podcasts. They're going to be starting on October 18th, so we're less than a month away from the return of daily podcasts. Big guests, daily interviews. We'll be talking about the games to come, the games that have just been. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys ready to do daily podcasts again? Sam Perley, you're kind of on the once-a-week rotation. Rob Longo, you are on every day. Are you ready? Grind never stops, my friend. No rest for the wicked. <laughs> Let's uh, take a look at a couple of uh, pieces of news that have come out, or one in particular, uh, the Hornets signing Xavier Sneed. Sam Perley, what can you tell us about the deal? Yeah, Sneed was on the training camp roster last year, went to the G League bubble. I think it was kind of a tough circumstance for everybody just with... I don't know where I actually don't really know what a lot of the training camp guys did between the end of training camp and getting into the G League. I mean, they were kind of on their own for a month or two, but thought he did okay in the bubble last year. Eight points, four rebounds, wasn't super efficient, and then actually went kind of in a not super common move, went up to Canada to play for a team called the Niagara River Lions. He was the third leading scorer up there, 17 points per game. I know that's not the most well-known of leagues out there. He led the team. <laughs> yeah, he did lead the team. He was third in the league. So, I mean, I think that says something. Finding somewhere to play in a league and just continue to kind of hone your craft went back at summer league this year six points per game but did shoot a lot better he's 47 percent from the field 46 percent from threes a former teammate of Wes Wundu at Kansas State is another fun fact so um has a nice solid NBA body I think with a little bit more seasoning I think you kind of chalk up last year as you know red shirt not necessarily throwaway year but it's just tough you're undrafted rookie coming in trying to get as many opportunities as you can in the G League and camp it just was really hard for the guys that did get drafted in the year let alone ones that didn't so I like the signing. You know, I think he certainly showed something. He's showing he's continued to get better, and he's also finding ways to get better, you know, doing things like going to Canada to play, going to Summer League, things like that. So overall, I like the signing. Yeah, look, I'm a fan of Xavier Sneed. I'm with you in this idea that he, like so many rookies, especially the ones on the fringes who are either second-round picks or undrafted, really got a raw deal in terms of the timing of when they came out of college because they had no chance to do summer league, no chance to put any of the positive stuff out there on tape. They got limited run in preseason, and that's about it. And it was just kind of sent off, go about your way, find your own route, I guess, and uh, really put them all at a disadvantage. So I'm interested to see what he can do. You know, the last two teams he's been on, he's been the leading scorer. He was the leading scorer on the uh, Niagara River Lions in the Canadian League. He was the leading scorer on a Kansas State team that, quite honestly, was pretty bad by their standards, but still, leading scorer 
score on a Big 12 team, that's not easy to do. So there's definitely something there. What the Hornets can tap into, you know, we'll find out. But I'm excited to see Xavier Sneed just get an honest shot at this, to be able to go in, get a, you know, a full training camp, get a shot hopefully to go to the G League and play under more normal circumstances. And let, let's see what's there, because the team obviously likes him enough to bring him back a second consecutive year on his you know, new set of circumstances. They brought him back for Summer League as well. So excited for Xavier Sneed on that regard. Rob Longo, your thoughts? Pretty much just whatever you just echoed, because I mean, the same thing, like you said, I mean, you've seen him now in the bubble in a G League. You've seen him in Summer League, so I have no problem with it. And as a nice little segue, it's going to create some competition in training camp, probably. It's going to create some competitions for the battles in the front court, which segue is our next topic. Training camp is less than a week away. We've got to look at the roster basically right now. The team, quite honestly, has too many players right now in terms of uh, how many guys are under contract and how many they're allowed to have once the game's actually start. Let's go with this. The top story you're looking forward to, assuming this is the last podcast we have until training camp begins. Rob, you get to go first. The storyline you are most looking forward to in training camp. Sam Perley is at the edge of his seat. He wants to know. He is chomping at the bit because he doesn't want me to steal his thunder. But Rob, exactly. Rob, <laughs> Rob rules are in effect. Apply. Rob rules are we'll in effect. Yes. But as I was saying, kind of alluded to with the Xavier Sneed signing is I want to see what happens with the reserves in the front court. Obviously Mason Plumley came in as you know the filler in that number five spot to be the starting center. Well, what's that rotation going to look like? What's going to fall in line? Is it going to be PJ Washington switching over and playing a stretch five a little bit? Is it one of the younger guys like Nick Richards or Vernon Carey? Who's going to be that backup center? Who is going to come in in that second rotation in the front court? Is Miles Bridges going to start over PJ Washington? You know that kind of stuff. That's what I'm really looking forward to the most. Sam Perley, he stole well, your thing, didn't he? He did steal my thing. I thought it was being really original. I said the my original one. Thankfully, I'm very well prepared for this and have done this before and I know this happens so I did go with the front court rotation that's the thing I wanted to see the most just I think you got different bodies that can do different things my backup one since I had to plan ahead getting Gordon Hayward back and I think we touched on it earlier when we were doing the list but to what extent we're going to see him completely all out in preseason probably not a lot but I think it'll be interesting to see how these new pieces play around him I think him uh, Hayward and LaMelo are basically kind of your center points of the offense right now and I think everything kind of revolves around them and I think with how much Gordon was able to do I mean it just cannot be emphasized enough how big a loss he was last year because it just it was almost just a big kind of hole in the middle of that rotation. And you tried so many different things of your coach Borrego, moving guys from the three to the four to the two, and just nothing seemed to really click. So getting him back, seeing how a lot of these new pieces that he hasn't played with before, Ish Smith, James Booknight, Kelly Oubre, Mason Plumley, play off of him. And the other thing too, he's got kind of a normal offseason. I know he when he finished the season, I think he said he was maybe a couple weeks away from the foot being completely healed. But last year, extended run in the bubble, switch teams, moving to a new city. It's sort of more of a normal timeline where he's not going through the whole offseason recovering from some huge debilitating injury or anything like that. He's in the same city. Just a little bit more of normalcy, I think, and kind of get his feet grounded a little bit, I think is going to help him physically, mentally. So I'm excited to see how he kind of gets incorporated back into this offense and seeing some of these new pieces around him as well. My number one storyline that I'm on the lookout for is which of the young guys are for the lack of a better word, slotted to be on the NBA roster, and which ones are slotted to spend significant time in Greensboro. That That's not an easy decision. I think the way the, the franchise overall philosophy works, 
you know, your first round pick, you assume he's going to be contributing on the NBA. So the James Book night, that's a, a given. You didn't draft someone in the lottery thinking, well, we're going to put him in the G League the entire year. The franchise just isn't in that kind of spot. But generally speaking, there seems to be an appetite to send second round picks to to move guys to the G League, to let them get some minutes get acclimated. When you look at this roster, the Hornets did a pretty good job of getting a little older, a little bit more experience in the top eight, but they got a lot younger behind it with all the second round picks they've they've added in the last two years. So it's going to be really interesting. It's kind of, you know, biting a little bit off the point Rob made. You know, you have to have a backup four. You have to have a backup five. And to fill out those roles, you know, you're going to be looking at someone who was drafted in the last two years, but I'm going to be interested to see, you know, is it a combination? Do guys come up and down or is there a clear differentiation? Okay. Just to throw out some names, Kai Jones, Vernon Carey, you're playing with the Hornets in backup roles right now. Nick Richards, we want, and and JT Thor, we want to see what you can do with more consistent run in Greensboro. Or do you switch them halfway through? Or are those names reversed? I'm going to be interested to see how you handle it because you don't need all of the young three, four, five players to be up on the Hornets roster the whole time, but you do need some. That that is the part that I'm most interested to see. I'm not overly concerned. You know, will Gordon Hayward bounce back from his injury? Everything we've heard points to yes. The new additions, they're veterans. I think they're going to bring a lot. It's who not so much is number eight or nine and is definitely going to play a lot. It's who's 10 and 11 is next man up. I think that's an important question the Hornets are going to have to answer. You're going to look at whatever this rotation irons out to, whether it's 10 guys, nine guys, that's kind of where it floats in the area. I mean, you're going to have those 14th and 15th guys. Those are going to be really good basketball players not getting minutes. Might be veteran guys, might be guys that eventually go to Greensboro. Remember, their season does not start until for a couple weeks after the season starts. So no one's going to Greensboro right off the bat. I mean, everyone's going to kind of be here. That includes Scott. Lewis and Arnoldus Kaboka won't be here. We'll still be here until G League training camp starts. So, but I think that's great. I mean, obviously, the more I've said it, you know, kind of the obvious statement of the century, the more talented players you have on your team, the better it is just because you got more depth. And I think when you got guys battling for minutes, battling for positions, nothing is really given in terms of rotation minutes, in terms of spots. I mean, the competition brings out the best in everybody. You see it externally when you face really good teams, and you see it internally when you got a lot of guys fighting within a roster. It's good fighting, it's not fighting with each other in terms of nobody likes each other it's trying to get playing time and that's going to bring out the best in everybody because again there's going to be a lot of healthy competition for those minutes this year and I think that's what young teams that's how young teams get better is they all push each other because they all want to play everybody wants to play right now so I think it's going to be a really really exciting training camp I think there's a lot of storylines that are going to be really fascinating to follow I agree with you deepest Hornets team we've seen in the last three years basically since uh, James Borrego's first year when when Kemba Walker was kind of leading the way was an older group team got very young after that Mitch Kupchak and the front office have done an outstanding job of reworking things and now it's time to have a different type of difficult decisions it's not oh my gosh how do we fill this spot where someone got injured it's like oh my gosh who are we going to put on the bench everyone's everyone's ready to play so we are about ready to play thanks to all of you and a reminder we will be with you again next week still kind of sporadically we'll ramp things up in preparation for preseason and then daily podcasts resume on october 18th with some very special guests so make sure you're keeping it right here on the hornet Tivecast. till next time for sam Purley, rob longo i'm sam farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along and we'll talk to you next time here on the hornet Tivecast. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.